John Deere stock has returned over 2,000% in the last 20 years. The stock was 20 bucks in 2000, and had you purchased it, held it from then till now, you would have received $45 in total dividends. That's 200%, 200 more percent just in dividends, let alone price appreciation of 2000%. Let's take a look at John Deere today. How much cash money does this stock make? If we buy it today, held it for a decade, what will we make? You ready? Let's get to work. Hello, welcome to Rational Investing. My name is Cameron Stewart, CFA. Thank you very much for watching the channel. All the comments and subscribers, I greatly appreciate it. If you like the channel, hit the subscribe button, always helps out, or throw a comment down below, help the algorithm. We're gonna dive into John Deere uh, today. We're gonna take a look at uh, 10 years of financial data. We're gonna go through the cash flow, figure out how much money it makes, and we're gonna take a look at all five key attributes for this stock. Number one, top line revenue growth. It needs to be growing. Number two, earnings growth. We want EBITDA growing. Number three, strong free cash flow. Number four, low debt. And number five, you want a well-priced stock. Now, what is a well-priced stock? It's a stock with a conservative forecast that over the long term will beat the market, or at least has a, a high probability of outperforming the market. We try to put in some sort of margin of safety by keeping a conservative growth forecast. And if you can find a stock whose price is beaten down enough to where that happens, it should be an interesting opportunity to make some money. Let's take a look at John Deere. So just recapping John Deere itself, the company, obviously they are making tractors and farming equipment. They have a, a variety of divisions that they sell and they're kind of modernizing or technology or pushing technology into this farming sector that has yielded higher margins, higher recent growth. The question is, what's gonna keep going? What are, what are they gonna keep doing? You can see when they implemented their strategy the last several years, the stock market has really uh, rewarded the, the stock with a higher market multiple, and they've had stronger free cash flow recently. As I alluded to earlier in this program, the dividend, if we look at this chart, the blue line is the uh, dollar amount that's paid out uh, quarterly or annually for their dividend. It's roughly $2, a little $2.20 uh, per share today, and that's grown considerably for like, uh, maybe 10, 20 cents 20 years ago. The cumulative di dividend here is the orange bar. That's up over $45 a share. So had you bought it 20 years ago, held on to it, collected the dividends over that period of time, you would have received $45 of total dividends uh, with all of your money back. You'd be playing with house money and it continues to grow over 2,000%, which is a great, great deal for a company that grows earnings, honestly, mid-single digits. This is not the, uh, the Googles, the Facebooks of the world, the Snaps of the world. Uh, this is a farming company, which has over time, continuously bought back shares, paid dividend, and grown earnings over that period of time. And as a result, the stock has performed very, very well. So let's dive into the cash flow club. Let's go through uh, revenue or EBITDA, cash flow, figure out how much money the stock is making. So behind me, I'm in the cash flow club. If you want to check that out, check out cashflowinvestingpro.com. It's a 10-year look. We produce one page. It's a 10-year look that summarizes the company. So let's take a look at revenue. So revenue for John Deere, $37.8 billion in 2013. And that has kind of been up and down, declined for several years down to about $30 billion of revenue in 2017, and then has grown substantially since then to $52 billion, um, uh, most recently last fiscal year ending 2022. Their uh, fiscal year ends in October, so this is October 2022. Next year's number 
are going to come out here in another couple of months. It's supposed to be a strong year for them as they continue to grow that bottom line number. But if I look at the average annual rate, 4% is the annual growth rate for revenue over this 10-year period of time. EBITDA's earnings, earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortization. It is a proxy for uh, cash flow. It's a bad one, but it's still a proxy that looks at operating income net uh, kind of on a cash basis and uh, it helps normalize some of the um, ebbs and flows of actual cash flow. That's why we use it. This was $6.8 billion in 2013 and declined to about $3.8 billion before going back up to a high of $10.8 billion uh, last year, putting it at a 5% annual growth rate and uh, showing that margins are actually expanding because EBITDA is growing faster than revenue. Debt has grown $5.8 billion to $10 billion over time, so they are borrowing money. That money looks like it's productive because earnings are growing as well. Market cap, market cap was $31.8 billion, has grown to $121 billion over that decade period of time. Uh, so again, market cap is shares outstanding times price, uh, very much rewarded. Um, the stock has very much been rewarded for its performance. The debt to EBITDA, our leverage measure, is less than one. Uh, and it has been about one or less than one for almost, for almost a decade. This company does have this financial discipline to keep its debt low relative to earnings and very affordable. I like that. Having never seen it above three in the last decade, that's a very good uh, financial position for the company to be in. What I think is interesting is the uh, multiple, market multiple that this business is traded at. So enterprise value EBITDA is a total enterprise value divided by earnings. It's a measure of how many years of earnings you are buying on a forward basis. You could see when you bought, the, should you have bought this company 2013 through, through 2016, it was trading in six to eight times market multiple range, which is very, very cheap. Now at that time, the revenue was somewhat flat to declining, earnings were flat to declining, uh, but as a result, the, the stock was absolutely hammered and you could buy a beast in the farming industry for an absurdly cheap number of six times earnings. That has since pivoted and turned with the pandemic and as well as uh, John Deere's pivot into technology, that market multiple has grown from six times to a high of 15 times in 2020. What's interesting here is the last couple of years, this market multiple has actually declined from 15 to 13, from 13 to 12. It's currently trading about 11 times forward earnings. So I think that the spike that we received during the pandemic is definitely pulling back, even though earnings continues to grow. So I'd look at this stock to continue to have a maybe a market pullback, market multiple pullback. And it might be a very interesting opportunity to, if, if the market multiple reverts higher, if they're able to continue to have their technology push. Um, going forward, I doubt you're going to see this stock as cheap as, as it once was, uh, given what they've been doing recently. Cash flow from operations. So this is the first third of the cash flow statement. This is the actual cash money, the hard jack that they make for running their business. I've adjusted this column for both stock-based comp. I'm expensing it. I've also normalized for some inventory buying and some AP that was really kind of making that number swing up and down. I've kind of normalized it. So you get a 5.4 um, billion dollar adjusted uh, cash flow operations is just shy of 10 or 9.2 billion dollars of of cash flow from operations for the last two years running. And that's a 6% annual growth rate, which is slightly above 5% of EBITDA. Both those statements are growing in the same direction, which is good. It's a nice smell check of the accounting. So you've got about $9.9 billion, call it $9 billion of cash flow from operations that this business makes 
on an annual basis. Well, what do they have to do with that? Well, they have to put some back in CapEx. They spend about $3.7 billion in CapEx every single year. That leaves about six to five, five and a half billion dollars of cash flow, or excuse me, cash, cash, pure cash, not cash flow, just cash, that's available to pay back stockholders. They have very little debt, so they're really not paying any debt down. In fact, they're borrowing debt. As you can see, these positive numbers are cash coming in as they borrow debt, but their, their debt ratio isn't changing because earnings are growing and they're able to borrow on those increased earnings and not change the leverage of the business. So that's extra cash that they actually get to keep and do something with. What do they do with it? Well, they are buying back shares. So they, had, they started the decade with 389 million shares. They have only 300, roughly 300 million shares outstanding. Currently, that's buying back on average 3% of the outstanding common stock every single year over the last decade, which is an astounding pace. You don't see many companies buying back almost mid-single-digit uh, stock uh, comp every year. That, that's fantastic. If I look at the stock price, 80s, it's now up, up above 400, so it's really had a, a, a rapid rise in the price, and that's for a couple reasons. It's essentially the trifecta that we try to spot in this channel. It's just already happened. They've been buying back a ton of stock. Their earnings have expanded and the market multiple has expanded. That is the trifecta. That's how you get that hockey stick shaped curve on a, um, that's not a speculative bubble. It's actually based on something fundamental, cash flow and, and how much you pay for that cash flow. Go back and check out my Domino's versus Google's video. Both those companies IPO'd 15 years ago, yet Domino's outperformed Google as a stock. Why? Because Domino's IPO'd dirt cheap. I think it was six times market multiple. They grew their earnings, they paid a dividend, they, uh, and their market multiple expanded from six to something of 20 times now that they have the app and all that other technology that they're doing. So you would have outperformed that stock of Google because Google IPO'd at 20 plus times earnings, it's still at 20 plus times earnings. So there's no market multiple expansion. Um, Google has also not back, bought back any stock. As a result, there's no um, there's no uh, increased ownership of a phenomenal company over time, whereas this business, your ownership grows without you having to put a dollar back in the business because they are, they are shrinking the number of shares outstanding. So I think all of this looks very good to me. I really like what I'm seeing here. If we come down the one pager, we, we, is, uh, we build in our forecast. So when I look at the, the streets forecast for this business, they already have three quarters booked for the fiscal year. Fiscal year ends off October. I'm filling as of August. So most of the year is already printed. They're going to be, the streets expecting greater than $13 billion of EBITDA. You can see that they, they finished the year with just shy of 11. So they're going to grow at almost 20% year over year growth. It was very, very strong growth. The question is, what do we want to model after that? I think that's the biggest question here. Um, I do believe they can continue to grow and continue to grow at a strong rate. How much do you want to pay for? I'm not sure. So I'm assuming 3%, uh, which is just shy of their 15. Perhaps this recent growth is a fast technological upgrade and then it'll slow after all the big customers do their upgrades. I don't know, but I'm how much are you willing to pay for? So I'm, I'm trying to be conservative and see what happens. So that means $13 billion turns into just shy of $17 billion. The other issue with the stock is the market multiple. So you saw that the market multiple has gone up a lot from 6 to 15. 15 is now pulling back down. What do you want to assume as an exit long-term multiple? I'm choosing essentially the average, which is 10. 
So I'll say it's a fair value at 10 times market multiple, which I think is actually reasonable for a stock that's this big um, and this intertwined in the global economy and for something that's, that, that's growing at 3% annually a year. Basically, if that backs down to a $504 per share on the stock price out 10 years as an estimate. Just a guess, thumb in the air, who knows what's going to happen in the future, but we're trying to ground what we're thinking about a business in, in some kind of rational way. Uh, so this is kind of putting a flag in the ground. Cash flow, they make about $20 a share in free cash flow. Again, I'm adjusting for inventory and AP. Last year were both big negatives. They bought a lot of inventory and they paid down a lot of AP. I'm backing now to like normalize what long-term would be. And I think there's about $20 a share. So you grow that over time at the same rate you're growing EBITDA. And I get to about a $27, $28 free cash flow per share for this business. I apply a 6% free cash flow yield to that, and I get a $460 price target. So now we have two price targets, one from a free cash flow base and one from an EBITDA market multiple. I'll average the two and I'll say, I think this stock is $480 a share out 10 years in that range. You know, put a, put a bandwidth on it, 30% up or down, who knows, but it's a target out there. What I can then do is I can say, well, if I buy the stock today, I can buy as much as I want for $424. I can sell it for $480. So there's a small gain there. And I get this pro rata share of free cash flow. That's an 8% free cash flow IRR if you bought the stock today and held it for a decade, which is subpar, right? We're looking for something that's north of 10% because 10% is kind of what the S&P 500 has done for any decade period. Uh, historically, so we're trying to find something that's got a good probability of being the stock market. Now, I think there's risk here that they could actually outperform that 3%. If I move that to 5%, this 8 turns into a 10 times IRR, which is even with the market would be kind of a hold for a market neutral investment. So if you think that this 3% is too conservative based on recent growth, and you think they can put 5% out long-term every single year, then it's a 10%er and it's, it's kind of on market and you might want to go for it. But I want to build in a margin of safety. I want a stock that, can, um, that, that has um, a lot of upside with limited downside. So I'm going to wait for hopefully this market to serve me up an opportunity. Now, what does that price have to be to be that opportunity? Well, on the one pager, we've got this little matrix down here. If you see anything less than, say, $340 a share, that's the time that I think the stock is really interesting. It has enough margin of safety to be, uh, to be conservative. Let's recap the five key attributes for this stock. Number one, top line revenue growth. Yeah, it's growing at about 4 or 5% per year, maybe even a little higher in recent years. Uh, so you can check the box. Number two, earnings growth. EBITDA has been growing long-term. It's growing fast recently. Definitely check that box. Strong free cash flow. Yeah, they can easily afford the CapEx and they have no debt. Check that box. Low debt. Check it. I already said it. There's nothing there. Well-priced. I think the well-priced depends on your outlook in the future. I'm going to say it's not well-priced, so I'm going to give it a meh. Because the stock market can whipsaw up and down. Some stocks will trade 50% up or down in a single year. So I think this is a stock that you set aside, you watch, and you wait for the right price, and then you can buy it, and you have a great stock for a long, long time. This stock has kicked out dividends consistently. They make a, they make a dividend payment of about a billion dollars every year. They can easily afford it. 
with their free cash flow and have plenty of cash to reinvest for the growth. So I do like this stock a lot. I would put it on your shelf, I'd take a look at it and wait for a good price to buy this, this wonderful company that's making a lot of cash. Now, if you like what you saw here, I highly recommend you check out cashflowinvestingpro.com, my website. You can do two things. One, you can sign up for the Cashflow Club. It's a monthly service on, in which myself and other analysts publish one pages like you saw behind me on a whole host of companies. We cover uh, 150 to 200 stocks that we kick out that we believe are very interesting on their cash flow yield basis. Number two, if you want to learn to do this for yourself, I teach a course. I teach a course on how to do financial analysis. I myself a CFO for public company, uh, private companies. That's what I do for a profession. This is a hobby of mine. I enjoy teaching people finance and I'm happy to teach you how to do it yourself. Check out my course, very reasonable. Uh, it's three and a half hours of content where I break down how to, how to dissect Apple, how to value what a market multiple is, what a yield is, what is EBITDA, how to find it, how to calculate total debt, how much, how much debt a company should have, and how to forecast a stock. I walk you through that, basically an MBA in a can uh, for a very reasonable price, and I'm happy to, um, uh, I hope you in, enjoy that. So check out cashflowinvestingpro.com. My name is Cameron Stewart. This has been a review of John Deere, very interesting company that is, uh, that's growing free cash flow, maybe just slightly ahead of itself on the price, but uh, if it comes down, it might be a very interesting buy. Again, hit the subscribe button if you like the channel. Throw me a comment down below and I'll greatly I'll see if I can answer it. Thank you very much. My name is Cameron Stewart. Take it easy. Bye-bye.